Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. And on today's episode, we are joined by our faithful friend, Mike Fleming, otherwise known as Tempo. Tempo is a, well, man, well, I don't even know, five-time guest on the show now? I like to make a lot of celebrity appearances from yeah. time to time. It's, yeah, some, you know, and Plus, like I that. enjoy it. I enjoy it. So, why, might as well come back. Yeah, so those of you who have not listened to any of our episodes with Tempo, we just released one. I actually don't know when this episode is going to release, but I think it's episode 163 was with Tempo, all about gut health, and then we have a bunch of other ones with him as well. So if you're curious, go back in our in our uh, library there and find them, because I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. <laughs> so Tempo, how you doing, buddy? I am doing great. It's a it's a wonderful day. We're finally getting some sun in Chicago, and uh, yes. you know I'm just like I would always say I'm just happy to be back on the podcast. Trying to, like I said before, always trying to be a better warrior each day, and Absolutely. I like to be a better warrior through my lifestyle, the RFF lifestyle. So That's right. eating real food, doing what works for you, and trying to live my best, happiest, healthy life. So as we know, getting sunlight is very important. And in Michigan, the first seven days of February, we had more sunshine than we did in over a month. So from like the end of January to just about the end of December, we had more sunshine in a week in February than we did. And there was like three days of sun. And uh, I got to say, it's dark times when it's gray and gloomy for that long. <laughs> All the Midwesterners are like, what is this? Is this a star? Or where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's just so nice to see yeah. the sun again for the first time. Because, you know, it sometimes feels like doom and gloom. And you get that seasonal effective depression, depression a little bit. And yeah. it's, just, it's just so nice to see that sun. It changes the mood all every single time you get yeah. out and about and get that fresh air. Something I've noticed this off season, because during the during the year when I'm working, obviously I'm outside every day, and this year in uh, the winter it's been way less sunny. And I've noticed though, even if it's not sunny and you go outside and you still get natural sunlight, it helps. But man, when it, when you don't see the sun for like a month, I could. That's why I could never live in Alaska because they go a month or I don't even know how many months they go where it's just dark. Like literally dark. I couldn't right. do it. Couldn't do it. Wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> Getting vitamin D from fish is not enough. Yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. that sun. So Seriously. it's great to see it as a Midwesterner from time to time. Yeah, God. So we're gonna I'm gonna give some context to this episode. Last year I did a fatherhood round table with a couple of well, they weren't new dads, but they were uh fairly fresh in their dad journey. And Chris and Dallas were both on there with me. Uh, both of their children at that point were like a year and a half ish old, and we, I got some perspectives on new, you know, fresh fatherhood from them because, for good reason, in some ways, I think fatherhood is a little bit overlooked at the beginning. There's a lot of focus placed on the mother. Obviously, they are doing some amazing things. Watching Connor go through this whole pregnancy has been incredible to watch and just see what like the human 
the female body is capable of. And yeah, so I've sort I mean, taken a sideline to a lot of stuff because everyone wants to know how Connor's doing, which is totally fine because, you know, she's going through a lot of changes. And so Tempo and Sarah, his, his wife, just had a baby. It was, uh, what, end of December? Yes. Well, actually, the beginning of December. So beginning it was on December. a Friday, December 2nd at 9.31 right. a.m. So, so this was yep, really cool. We had because... our wonderful, beautiful child, Eleanor Grace. That's right, Eleanor Grace. And I, I think that a perspective that is often not heard a lot of times is from, like, I mean, she's pretty fresh out of the shoot. And I'm going to be talking to Tempo today about some some early thoughts, uh, how life has changed, you know, what he's learned and what he's what he expected versus the reality and just the whole gambit. Um, And it's it's going to be fun. And as you guys know, I'm also uh, going to be a father here soon enough, which I'm very excited about. And so this is going to be really helpful for me as well. So, Tempo, you ready it's to nice jump to on into it? It's nice to be a father, it? I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I'm so right. excited. Yeah, cool. So, real quick, uh, for those of you who have not listened, Tempo, why don't you reintroduce yourself to the audience? Yes. So, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Michael Fleming, but most people call me Tempo if you're a friend of mine. If, even if you're not a friend of mine, you can call me whatever you'd like, but I am a metabolic health coach out of Chicago. Um, I also work for a uh, healthcare company called Verda Health, and they're specifically designed to help people reverse diabetes and and help them lose weight through a lifestyle treatment option. So by changing the power of food, we can dramatically reverse and control the ability of our overall health and minimize our frequency of having chronic diseases long term. So I've always been in the health and fitness space for a long time. I worked in cardiac and pulmonary rehab. I've always been a type of person that cares tremendously about metabolic health. And I may not know everything, but I will definitely share everything that I do know because I feel like the more knowledge patients, people obtain about their overall health and the more confident they feel about their health, they're more likely to radically change it towards the better. So that's me. I've been doing it for about eight, nine years now, and uh, I'm going to continue to do my independent work, RFF Lifestyle, which is just promoting a healthy lifestyle, encouraging positive behaviors, not forcing them. And I'll continue to be, you know, working with a healthcare company that is always going to support lifestyle as a primary form of medicine. Absolutely. And and as I've said, we have other episodes where Tempo, we've gone more in depth on his background and RFF lifestyle. So if you're interested, go back into our, like I said, into our library and take a look at those. But today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. So I want to start at the beginning, Tempo. You and Sarah got married back in 2017 in September. And when did you... 2019, just to be aware. Or yeah, 2019, I'm sorry. Yeah, 2019, all all good, not a problem, yeah. But we've been with each other for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it all started started, uh, right out of college for me. Um, I was just getting started living in the city of Chicago, and my now wife, Sarah, she was uh, still in college at Ball State University as just training to be a nurse. And ultimately, we ended up uh, knowing each other through my cousin, 
And we just started getting to know each other in the summer, and we both decided that we wanted to make more of a commitment to this uh, while I was in Chicago and while she was on her senior year of college. And, you know, fast forward till today, you know, 2019, we were married uh, in September, and a couple years later, right after that, we ended up having our first child, Eleanor Grace. And, uh, you know, it all started uh, very early, and it's going strong till today. So it's just a wonderful blessing and couldn't be more happier. Yeah. So when did you find out that you guys were pregnant? Yeah. So it was very interesting. So we found out that Sarah was pregnant at the start of the master's week. So if anybody watches the masters, it's all about golf, uh, Augusta, you know, the azaleas are blooming, everything's wonderful. And at that same time, I'm about to go to work. And ultimately, my wife just walks into the room and shows me a test. And she shows me a test. And I'm like, oh, it's a pregnancy test. All right, I get it. She shows me the lines, but I'm not really catching on very quickly. You know, I understand metabolic health very well, but she showed me the actual test. And I was like, what does that mean? And she means, well, we're pregnant. And I just... I didn't know how to respond. I just kind of froze like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> and I was just so happy. I was so like emotional. Like I was just so excited to be able to hear this news. And uh, w- because with that whole process of trying to have a kid, like a lot of people don't really see all the other things that you have to kind of deal with when it comes to trying to conceive or at least trying to have a child. Um, that tends to be neglected a little bit. So I just want to understand all of those you know, things leading up until that point, right when you see a pregnancy test, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a sigh of relief. But then at the same time, you just couldn't be happier. You're on cloud nine. And then what, while this all happening, the masters is going on. So I want to be able to watch it. I'm a big golf fan, you know, and I'm rooting for Will Salatoris. He's one of my favorite golfers. And we go to this local bar, you know, secretly to meet up with friends, but also kind of to celebrate a little bit. And Obviously, we know at this point we can't tell anybody. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So this news was broken to me, and now I can't tell anybody for X period of time. And I'm like, okay, I can do it. We'll we'll give you a a fake cocktail. You you know, I'll have a beer because I'm obviously celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obviously celebrating. Uh, but, But ultimately, throughout this whole entire process, once we heard the news, we were just all excited. And once that news happened, now you get into preparation mode. Now you're getting into like, okay, what's the first trimester going to be like? What's the second trimester going to be like? What's the third trimester going to be like? And then you get to the point when you're having that kid. So that timeline, you start rethinking over and over in your head, and but you want to take it one step at a time. So that's all of the news that unfolded, nothing but happiness, nothing but joy, but then you get into planning mode after that. Were you guys, uh, were you planning to conceive or were you just kind of like yeah maybe maybe not who knows yeah good question we were planning so we we ended up planning like this out through most of that time period so being able to you know focus on when it's the appropriate timing when you have to be able to understand ovulation like all of those things are extremely important and you know both of us, we were just on that same wavelength where we wanted to be able to time this right and be able to actually plan for it. Because once we got married, we we knew that we weren't actively planning right away. 
But right when we were at this focal point in our lives where we're like, okay, we're going to proactively starting to make, you know, an effort towards conception. Um, we started thinking a lot more deeply about it. We started reading up a little bit more about it. And then uh, after all that planning, you know, yeah, kind of get that great news. And yeah. then you just kind of plan your, your plan of direction just changes after that. So it's, it's just, it's a continuation of planning. I'm curious how long from when you guys decided you wanted to try to have a baby to when you have or to when you got pregnant, how long was it in between those two times? Yeah. So, I, I mean, we had a lot of stuff going on, uh, to be realistic. We, you know, in 2019, after we got married, uh, like we were just enjoying ourselves. We were uh, having a good time, just enjoying each other's company, moving into a different location, you know, just really getting all and getting all the wonderful grateful gifts we've received from the wedding you know all of that stuff it's a lot to take in so you're not really necessarily thinking about you know the process of conception at that point um so we were enjoying ourselves and then covid happened so we were both working at the in the hospital at a time separate hospitals you know we had a lot of stuff going on there were a lot of friend dynamics family dynamics so there was like a little bit of a pause artificially where we were just like okay now we want to start talking about the actual process of wanting to have a kid so there was like a little bit of artificial delay but then also like just taking a break because we just got married so combining those two things together that's what kind of caused us to want to wait a little bit and then it got to a point both in our lives where we just had a discussion and said hey we want to start actively doing this yeah let's make this conscious decision together yeah. And, uh, you know, once it kind of started and we started like focusing more on that, then ultimately, you know, it led to an awesome news in 2021 leading into the actual conception, uh, actual birth in 2022. And, right. you know, it just kind of spiraled after that once we made the active decision to do it. Yeah, I think something that goes a little bit unspoken for a lot of people is is actually how long a lot of couples try to get pregnant. And for some people, it happens immediately and they're not even trying. For some people, they can try for years and struggle and it's really an emotional thing and they're going through fertility treatments and this and that. And it, sometimes it never happens. And that's why I was curious, you know, how long you guys actually were trying for because we, we Connor and I kind of were like, well, we'll try. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And we, you know, we were really grateful for that. So. Yeah. Let's be honest here too. We're all, we're all trying, <laughs> but we're not trying mentally. Yeah. We're well, all giving yeah. it a go, but we don't actually have like a plan or a timeline to it because it's marriage. You know, it's a, the person you love the most, you know, you're going to try indirectly or you're going to start trying directly. Well, I mean, if um, you're and, having you know, sex without a condom or birth control, then you're you're trying to have a baby, <laughs> whether you whether you think you are or oh, not. Yeah, you're trying for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're definitely trying for sure. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, you you mentioned a very good point. You know, just I want people to understand that like the timeline is always going to be different in people, but what matters is the actual gift at the end of the day. Yeah. So, like, whether that takes you like two years, whether that takes you, you know, three months, whether it takes you one night after dinner, like, yeah. it's a wonderful gift. Cherish that gift and do everything you can, not only from a metabolic standpoint, but also just from a proactive standpoint. That if you really want this, you truly want this, you want this gift, don't be afraid to take the extra mile to learn more about it 
and really start to actively pursue it, just like you would with an exercise routine, just like you would with a nutrition plan. Like yeah. that focal point, that marriage lifestyle is wonderful, but it takes a lot of effort to also want to conceive and have a child too. Yeah, gotcha. So you kind of touched on this a little bit. I know that when I was first told that we were going to have a baby, it was a lot of shock and didn't know what to feel and whatever. You kind of touched on this, but was there anything else that you felt? What emotions did you kind of feel when you first found out that you were actually expecting? Yes, and everybody's different in this regard, but I tend to be very honest with my emotions majority of the time, especially with my wife, family, friends, whatever it is. But I will tell you straightforward, I felt nothing. Like I had the excitement, I had the joy, but nothing really changed up until that point. So it depends on how men are wired, but I'm wired differently to the point where I don't know what a change is until that change actually occurs. Mm. All you can do is plan for it and be aware that it's going to occur. But with me, I was not having like a lot of these nerves. I wasn't like, you know, panicking. I wasn't like regretting in any way. I was just like, well, my life has not changed, but my wife's life is going to dramatically change. And I'm going to do everything I can to support her when her life changes physically, mentally, emotionally, and physiologically. So that's personally just me. I didn't feel anything other than excitement and joy and let's celebrate. But I knew that there was a plan and preparation in place. But other than that, I don't really know there's a change until that change actually occurs. Yeah, absolutely. So you, me knowing you, I pretty much know the answer to this already, but I'm curious. Once you guys found out that you were pregnant, what preparations began? Because Sarah works, she works in OB, right? She she works at yes. a hospital in OB, so she already had a prod- probably a pretty good basis of knowledge surrounding this. And you, being into all the health and fitness stuff, you guys combined probably had a pretty good knowledge base anyway. But did you do any extra preparation before uh, you guys gave birth? Yeah, so very good question. Ultimately, when you're dealing with this whole entire process, uh, I I do want to be able to say, even though you might have a background in medicine, whether that's me with my lifestyle component, or my wife being a labor and delivery nurse, nothing is like having a child. So the only people that actually know the best are the ones that have actually gone through it. So when it comes to like all that preparation, you could go through like reading books. Like personally, I went through a book. um, I'm trying to remember. It was by a uh, Dr. Harvey. It was just going over the five S's where it's just like when the baby's born and how you want to approach it. Um, But you can read up on podcasts. You can start reading, uh, uh, diving in a little bit more on like understanding what the first trimester is going to be like, what the symptoms are going to be. Second trimester, how it's kind of like, okay, your wife's starting to feel and adjust to it fully. And then third trimester is just all preparation for the birth. Um, you know, you can do everything you can up until that point. But I would say th- what's equally important is like trying to gain more knowledge in that subject is support. You know, no matter how much knowledge you obtain and you read in a book, 
as we know, not everything is by the book. So the best thing that you can also apply is just nonstop support. Yes. Is there anything I could get you? Is there anything I can make you do to feel comfortable? Like those are the things that I believe are just as equally important as you just going to read up on how to be the best father or how to be the best mother. Because what you end up doing is learning that as you go, as I've realized already, <laughs> um, that there's never going to be one clear cut answer. Um, but ultimately you're doing everything you can and putting your wife in the best support system possible yeah. in order to get ready for that birth. And then that support never stops. So yeah. you can keep learning, but make sure you support your wife at the same time. Well, that leads me, that's a perfect segue into my next question because we, we took uh, quite a few, you know, labor and delivery classes and baby classes and all that. And you're right. Support seems to be at least at the beginning, the best thing that you can do, because when Connor is up at one in the morning throwing up or, you know, early, whatever, the only thing I can do is sit there and, you know, just be there with her. But once the delivery and labor process begins, go back in time and kind of walk us through what that looked like. Sure. Where, what, how did you help Sarah through that process? Like, what was your role? Yeah. So if you're going through like the support system in place, right when she gets, uh, you know, into the first trimester, a lot of it's going to be symptom oriented. And you might have already experienced this as well. A lot of people can feel that nausea. A lot of people can feel like upset stomach. A lot of people can feel woozy. Um, you know, it's a lot of hormonal adjustments going on at that time period. And unfortunately, what happens when you're a guy or when you're just a husband you want to feel like you're important by helping in any way you can. But ultimately, a lot of it is just asking questions. Um, and what I mean by that is that it's just in the first trimester, when those symptoms are occurring, occurring, do not try to alleviate the symptoms. Just put your wife in the best circumstance so that the symptoms can be alleviated by her. So what I mean is that, like, you're not going to just say, oh, you know, maybe you should take X, Y, Z if you're feeling nauseous. It's like, no, put them, put her in the best environment where she's not going to feel nauseous. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, what we try and do, or at least I try to do that I'm guilty of, is trying to alleviate symptoms through solutions or trying to say, hey, do X, Y, Z, and you'll feel much better. What we know is that we don't know what she's going through. Only right. she does. Right. And, and during that time period, the best thing that you can do, especially in the first trimester, adjusting to those symptoms, is don't be afraid to be like, hey, I got a, I got a bath all set up for you. Or, hey, let's go ahead and watch a movie. Put her in that situation where she feels a lot more comfortable, yeah. where she feels nurtured, where she feels cared for, rather than what I do in my own field and in my own life is to try and alleviate symptoms through a lifestyle approach or just scratch that. Don't even do it. It's a waste yeah. of time. Just focus on the support system, and that will get you through a lot. Leading all the way up until the second trimester, she's adapted pretty well. She understands how to manage those symptoms, especially on her own, and she kind of feels a little bit like there's a balance. And then the third trimester happens. It's like, okay, things are getting a lot bigger. I'm get, starting to get a little bit more fatigued, a little <laughs> bit more tired. I'm carrying around yeah. all this weight. When the hell is this child going to come out? Like you start yeah. having a lot of those things popping up and it's all birth preparation. So like reestablishing that same supportive environment again, makes a huge difference. And 
ultimately getting prepared for birth. It's okay to go through packing the bag. Well, a lot of people don't know what that means, but just having clothes ready, having like things that she's going to feel comfortable with, bringing music, bringing like a playlist, like something that's going to put her in that positive, supportive environment when you're in that moment where we have to go to the hospital, we have to actually have this child now. Let's put you in the best positive environment and supportive environment where you're going to be calm, cool, collected. Because yeah. as ladies, I can't speak for you, but it ain't calm, cool, collected when you're <laughs> starting to have that child. So, so it's tough. It's one of the most difficult things, but it's also one of the most gratifying things that a woman can do. And you as a male, you just want to be as supportive as possible in that moment. And do all the knowledge you can, but make sure you're supporting her and putting her in that great, nice, happy place. Well, I want to hear, so like labor and delivery, go back in time. Labor and delivery has begun. What are you doing to okay. support her? I want, I want to hear like details about that, kind of walk everybody through, because uh, a lot of people that are listening probably don't have kids, and then those who do can probably think back and be like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Yeah, all of the parents that are listening to me right now, you know much more than I do. You know, you, you might have a two-year-old by now, and I'm dealing with a newborn. So you might have been in the same similar circumstance, or you might not have, or you're about to start this process. Like, it, it can be daunting at sometimes. So when I was actually in that thick of it, when we were actually dealing with the pregnancy about to occur, like, the main thing that I was focusing on is the things that I can control. And the things that I could control are simply putting in words of positive affirmation. And I do this as a trainer. Not everybody has the gift to do this, but I feel like I was already set up to be in that positive encouragement reinforcement role where it's just like, even if things are difficult, even if pushing or contractions start to occur and they start noticing it, just use positive words of affirmation or repeat the words of the actual medical professionals that are doing positive affirmation. Right. There was one funny moment, one funny moment during my wife's pregnancy where, you know, we were actually during the delivering process and it was about to do the pushing and the uh, actual nurse and the doctor that was actually performing it, they were saying certain words like, Sarah, you're doing great. You're almost there. And, you know, five seconds later, I was saying, you're doing great. You're almost there. <laughs> and then she turned at me. She turned to me and says, you don't know what you're talking about, do you? I'm like, well, it doesn't mean that things are bad either. <laughs> so, so, so ultimately, like, I, all I'm saying is that those positive words of encouragement, those positive words of affirmation, like, you got this one more push let's go you're doing great like those are all the things that you can do uh yeah. especially during the pregnancy but physiologically what's going on she's going to be the only one that actually can bear through that discomfort right. and i will tell you with sarah's condition uh like setup being at the hospital and delivering at the hospital that she worked at, she already comfortably had yeah. people that she knew, that right. she respected, that she was, she was already in a safe, positive environment. So in everybody else's circumstance, that might not be the case. So you need to be that positive person. You need to be that affirming person and telling someone, you're going to do great. This is going to be okay, even if you do not know for certain. 
You know, nothing is going to help this pushing process. Nothing is going to help this labor better than you being that rock that she looks for. Because at the end of the day, your wife or your partner is looking at you to help you get through it. Absolutely. And ultimately, during the, yeah, during that birth, you know, say those positive words of affirmation. And even if you don't know things are going great or you don't know for certain, like she needs that positive reinforcement. She needs that guidance from you and that holding of hands to get you through this process. Yeah, that's uh, super helpful advice. I think that that's exactly what we've been told all the, the whole time is like, listen, there's nothing you can actually do except for offer support, offer snacks, offer this, offer that. And, and that's all you can do and be there. And like you said, be a rock because in that moment, that's all, that's all you can do. And that's, that's what they need the most. So I, uh, that's good for me to hear. So I, here's what I want to know pre baby. And I don't want to hear about post baby. I want pre baby. What were your like expectations of what raising a newborn was going to be like? Don't tell me what it's been like. Tell me what you thought it was going to be like. All right. So very good question. Ultimately, when I was, you know, thinking about being a dad in the future, everything is just wonderful. All right. Everything is just cloud nine. Everything's beautiful. You know, like your kid's going to smile at you all the time. Like things are joyous. You know, you're going to be a parent. You're going to be you're going to be somebody that makes a difference in the world by having someone that you could call your own. It's just what a fascinating gift. So pre baby, the only thing that you can do is get a basic understanding from people that you love and care about already. So like I already have a niece and nephew family that already is experiencing like having little toddlers like they 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 share their frustrations with you but they also share like what's going well and what is what is going to be ultimately setting you up for success so i want to be able to kind of let people know that yes you're being told all of those wonderful solution-oriented things, those troubleshooting things where you, you're told to have patience, you're told to have all those things. But let's be honest, everyone. You're only exposed to that for about an hour or two. And when you're exposed to, like, your niece and nephew for just an hour, imagine that 24-7. That is completely different so, and gonna, as hold on, a, i'm gonna stop you i'm gonna stop father, you. i was gonna say I all right pre, fine, fine. <laughs> pre-fatherhood expectations we're not touching after yet we're not touching post sure sure all right pre-father <laughs> pre-father pre-father all right everything is wonderful everything is joyous you're just imagining things and sharing things with your wife that you want best for your child. Yeah. You know, the things are going to come up like, is our child going to play sports? Do we want to get a house in the future? Maybe a swing set with a blue door, you know, like, <laughs> do we want to move to the suburbs? Do we want to get a minivan? Like, yeah. <laughs> pre-father, that is what's going through your mind, is just futuristic things that are so gratifying and so meaningful in your life, and you're not ready or exposed to what is actually coming. It's all about your imagery about planning a future with you, your wife or partner, and your newborn child. That yeah. is what's going on pre-father. And it's the most exciting feeling that you can have once you make that ultimate decision to start having a child. Okay, now, 
I'm going to ask you to go back in your memory banks once again to the moment that you first held Eleanor. And as you looked at her and think, she might listen to this someday. Think about it. What was your, well, I don't want you to think about it. I just want you to tell us your first thoughts as you looked at your newborn child. Well, uh, I want to be able to answer the question, but I mean, it's a, it's a very good question, but you said, what were your thoughts? Um, I had no thoughts. I was a blabbering idiot. Good. I started crying balls out. Um, because personally, I will tell you what happened is that I was talking to my wife, you know, I tend to be a failed comedian and, you know, health coach. <laughs> I told her I work in outpatient therapy. I don't want to look below the equator. Okay. I don't want to <laughs> know what's going on down below. All right. And when that process was actually occurring, you know, we had to help with the pregnancy. We had to help with the pushing. So there's no way that you're not going to be exposed to this beautiful gift that is about to occur. So when that process was actually happening, I glanced, I looked, and then I couldn't look away because I knew that that process was going to be the most beautiful thing that I've ever saw. And it was. And I'm so glad that I was able to look and experience that gift coming out and just being everything that we expect it to be when it actually is delivered. And then you get to hold that gift, that process in your arms. I held my daughter for the first time and I started crying. I couldn't help it. People say real men don't cry. Bullshit. Have a kid. (laughs) have a child and you will cry okay like real men cry all right and i I will tell you that is one moment that will change your life for the better is that when that process happens and i was holding my eleanor grace we already knew what she was going to be called we already planned on this you know sarah loves the uh, traditional names and i love the meaning of names and eleanor means shining light and when she actually came out and i saw that process and i got to held eleanor my shining light for the first time, my first child ever, they asked me to please go ahead and announce whether it's a boy or a girl. And I couldn't. So (laughs) the nurses and the doctors announced for everybody while I cried and held my daughter. So I love it. When you have a child for that first moment, like I mentioned previously in the podcast, I don't know when, you know, uh, a thing happens until it happens. Oh, and man, it hit me like a ton of bricks and <laughs> uh, overcome with all this emotion. Like nothing is more important. And this is philosophical and I don't want to get too philosophical with this either. But when it comes to your wife or your partner, that is someone that you can love as much as yourself. When you have a child for the first time and you see that process occur, that is something that you can love more than anybody else. And I saw that happen and I was just overcome with emotion. And that gift alone, being able to hold my child for the first time, nothing is better. And I give this advice to everybody, let those emotions go. Just let it all happen because your wife just gave it all she could physically, mentally, emotionally, physiologically. She gave it all 
All you have to do is let your emotions go once that process <laughs> is done, and and you will just be so happy when you are able to hold your child for the first time. Yeah, we could end the episode right now. That was fantastic, dude. I loved it. That's exactly <laughs> what I was hoping for. Yeah, I mean, I got oh. nothing else to say other than that, but. I do have more to compound. We could add the episode right there and it would be. And I would love to go on more about in the podcast, obviously too. (laughs) I have, I have, I have another question or a couple more questions, but so, okay. She's born. It was a beautiful moment. Summarizing everything you just said. It's indescribable. So the last, it's been three months now, right? Been three months since she was born. And what has the reality been now that she is here and you've actually been doing the newborn father and mother thing? What has that been like? Yeah, so that process, uh, how, where to start? So once you have your child and you're, you know, in that process of like being discharged from the hospital, getting all the inf- medical information, getting all of the like details and, you know, advice when it comes to like having a child. Once you get to the home front, that's when the real work starts. You, a lot of people would assume that like the pregnancy, the you know, getting all of that lead up is going to be the most difficult part. It is to a certain extent, but guess what's the most difficult is having that child 24-7 and trying to understand whether they're happy, whether they're sad, whether they need to just take a shit, whether they need to (laughs) just get their snot out of their nose, whether they have gas pain, whether they have all of these ailments, because they will not tell you what is going on. So it can be the most daunting or most frustrating thing when it comes to a newborn, because the main things that they are doing is that they're going to eat, they are going to go to the bathroom, and they are going to sleep. Those are the main focal points of what you're trying to set them up to do. But when you are getting home doing that process, there are a few things that like you got to be like at the forefront of. And sorry, everybody, if you live an RFF lifestyle, eat real food, exercise regularly, get quality sleep, reduce your stress during that newborn pregnancy, during that actual like birth process. And once you have a newborn, just throw that out the window for a a little (laughs) bit. All right, because you're not going to really get any sleep. You're not really going to be able to have time to work out other than calisthenics, maybe. Uh, Even if you do, it's going to be short-lived. Eating real food, sometimes it's just going to be hard and you want quick, easy meals. So that's very difficult. And ultimately, you're not going to have the same similar lifestyle that you've been used to. So just be aware of that out of the gate. And being able to experience and have a child and go through the newborn process, it, it's so interesting, and me and my wife were talking about this a little bit earlier a couple weeks ago, is that it can be one of the most wonderful things that you're experiencing, but also at the same time, the most frustrating thing at the same time. Yep. What I mean by that is that you're trying to figure out what is best for your child, and they are unable to explain to you what is going on. So putting them in the best circumstances possible is going to be extremely key and very important. But me, I would probably sum up the overall newborn experience is I might have shared this with you before. It's all about observations. It's not about solutions. So when you are doing something 
and helping your child as a newborn, and then it does not work. So for example, you rock her and it's not working, or you give her a pacifier, it's not working, or she's fed and she's crying. Like, whatever you're trying to do, don't view things as a solution. View them as observations. What are the things that I can do that are going to put my child in the best circumstance possible? And be ready for the wild cards. Be ready for okay, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Or be ready for that wild card that like, hey, maybe I need to eat something quick. Let's order something or do something very, very short. Um, maybe it's just being able to have some independent time. Talk with your partner and say, hey, she's already fed. I'll hold her for a little bit. You go and like, rest or do what you need to do get catch up on some sleep you know there's got to be that shared communication Go going on but yeah. just <laughs> anticipate and take a shower even you're right just anticipate that things are going to be disoriented and the structure comes a little bit after but your lifestyle is going to radically shift but don't be angry that it's shifting just be open to the idea that it's shifting because it's going to eventually improve, not 100%, but it's going to improve a lot better than where you started. Yeah. Well, you basically, my next question was kind of going to be talking about, you know, maintaining like an RFF lifestyle while, you know, being a newborn father and all that. And you kind of answered that already, which makes 100% sense. And that's one of the reasons, like, we just built our home gym because the idea is, in the 20 minutes that you get or the 10 minutes that you might get, you can do something. And like you said, like some calisthenics or whatever, but now we have quick access to everything that we ever need for working out. That's what we're hoping. It's going to come in so clutch. I don't know if that's exactly how it's going to work, but I'm really hopeful. And so is Connor that, uh, that we'll be able to utilize that in short bursts when we're, when we're like new newborn. So that's good insight for sure. Yeah. As a health coach, I would just say, yes, living the RFF lifestyle to the best of your ability, it's going to help you. Eating real food, exercising regularly, getting quality sleep, reduce your stress. Yes. But you also brought up a very good point is that it's okay to microdose your RFF lifestyle too. And what I mean by that is that if you're used to doing a 30-minute exercise routine every single day, make it 15 minutes, make it something. Sometimes it's a little regressive, but you still get to do something. Something You know, if you're used to getting eight hours of sleep, just exactly, you know, a lot of, and that's where you would start with people when it comes to, I don't know, I don't know how to do an exercise plan. Well, let's start with 10 minutes each day. If you're somebody who's already living an RFF lifestyle and you're doing, you know, full body workouts Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you just have a newborn, like, don't be afraid to be like, Hey, what can I do in 20 minutes? Have a plan for something that is a little regressive, but it's the best bang for your buck when it comes to your time. Cause your time will be taken pretty much focusing on your newborn child. So don't take it out. I I don't want to be able to say that it's not, uh, you know, it's gone entirely. It's, it's not put on the back burner per se, but it's going to change. It's going to alter. There are ways that you can make it better. You know, if you're used to having great 45 minute hour meals, 
Maybe you make some hard-boiled eggs before you go to bed and put them in the fridge. Like, there are all things that you can do, yeah. you know, having electrolytes around, having, like, some water, some sodium, magnesium, potassium. Like, you you can live your best RFF lifestyle. Just know it's going to be altered in some fashion. Yep. Do the best you can with what you have and where you are and whatever time you also have. <laughs> so, well, cool, man. That's, uh... That's all the questions I got, and I think that that was a really insightful piece on early parenthood, and not something that I, I don't think we often get the, the like true look at early parenthood. And I think it's really valuable for anyone who's thinking about becoming a parent or is a parent to maybe like reflect on those times or whatever, because it's definitely difficult. But it's also like you said, I mean, your description of uh, seeing Eleanor for the first time and holding her and all that is is i mean that's almost worth having a kid right there as long as you're ready for the you know the rest of your life <laughs> that comes with it so yeah man well do you have any closing thoughts for us tempo yeah like i love this podcast just being able to kind of talk not only about healthy lifestyle and you know being your best warrior but it's like it's the fact that we're talking about fatherhood it's the fact that we're talking about real practical things that are going yeah. to happen in every everyday life and just for some closing uh remarks that i think are very valuable i just want to be able to let you know that you are doing great Okay, you are doing fantastic. There are going to be moments within your newborn child or when you're having a kid and people have been there, you may not have been there yet, but you're going to do a lot of questioning whether you're doing right or wrong. And it's all about being able to let you know that you are doing fantastic. You have this gift. You have conceived this gift. You have given this gift on this earth. Such a wonderful thing. You are doing awesome. The other couple closing remarks that I would mention is Google is your friend, but it's also your enemy. Yeah. All right. Don't overthink things. It can be very, very daunting. There's never going to be a solution to every single thing you do. Just know that you are doing a great job and you can use Google to its benefit. But at the same time, it can also be your downfall. Don't overthink things. Don't underthink things. And the last thing that I would probably say, which is the foundation of all relationships and having a newborn, is communication. I know it can be very, very difficult, um, especially adjusting to this lifestyle. But remember, it's difficult for everybody. Most of the guys, they want to make sure that they're in the putting their wife in the best support system possible, offering to do things that they might not be able to do like their wife not be be able to do you know a lot of the demand is on the mother it's a lot of that is going to be on your significant other so fathers i'm telling you be supportive do things that your wife normally does that don't require the child don't be afraid to do the dishes. Don't be afraid to take up the trash. Don't be afraid to do all those things. Clean a little bit. Like those little subtle things that you can do make a huge difference because all that demand is going to be on the mother. And mothers, we love you. You are fantastic, especially my, my wife. You're a great mother. Just know for a fact that you are doing a great job. And ultimately, I know all the demand is on you. There's a reason for that because the most underpaid job in our wonderful society is a mother. Never, never forget that. A mother is the number one job in this universe, and I am grateful for you. I am blessed for all of you mothers out there. 
fathers stand strong, mothers, you are a blessing, and that's the number one gift and the best job that you can give to everyone in this world. Absolutely. Well, Tempo, thank you for joining us today on another wonderful episode. This was really great to get some insight and to share some of these really cool thoughts and emotions. And all of you listening out there, really appreciate all of you being here. Again, in 2023, we are making big steps forward. So if you're listening and you haven't done it already, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and a review with some sort of reflection about something you heard in this episode about fatherhood. That would be greatly appreciated. And until we see you guys next week, we hope you keep discovering your warriors within.